listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, everyone. Um, so we've been going through our 17-week spiritual workout plan, and we're on week three, and uh, we've been going through um, the past few weeks the core four, which is our internal spiritual growth, right? And we've been going through that, trying to work out how we can grow spiritually inside of ourselves, and um, we've got... Two weeks so far, and, and the idea behind this is that we can grow spiritually, right? But that we don't always have the same response. Like, what you need to do is read your Bible and pray, which is kind of a Christianese. That's just what we throw out there. And what I love so far is what we've learned is that we need to read our Bible and pray. Those were the first two weeks. So I was like, huh, that's ironic. Um, but those are important spiritual disciplines that we need to learn and exercise. I hope you guys have been doing the 21 days of prayer. If you, don't, if you haven't done it, the booklets are still here. Grab one and start doing it. Uh, this is an important discipline that we need to learn. And ultimately, we're going to have to do all of these disciplines if we really want to grow. So we can't just leave them you know, by the wayside. So reading your Bible and praying are important. And we're going to move on to the next one, which is worship. Uh, and there are two things that I wanted to talk about before we dive into it uh, that I wanted to make clear because they're important to me. First of all, worship means uh, to give reverence and adoration. It, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be through song. Uh, and that's something that we common say, when we, or we commonly say, is worship is songs, right? And that's what we think of. We think of worship songs. But there's more to it than that. Uh, you can worship you know, outside of just singing, you, you, all you have to do is give uh, reverence and adoration to whatever you're worshiping. Which leads us to our second thing, is that we are designed, created for worship. Uh, and you can see this all over the place. Uh, everyone's got some topic, right? If I ask you if there's something that you have that you could talk for hours, right? Like right now, I talk about something specific and you're like, oh, well. And you could just go off because there's something super important to you. Uh, if, if you want to waste an hour of your life, I shouldn't say waste, but if you want to waste an hour of your life and talk, talk to some of my home group ladies about what's going on in The Bachelor right now, uh, and then and they'll, they'll, they'll rattle off something. And see, we have this, this, this creation, this design in us to worship, to give reverence and adoration to something. We just sometimes get misdirected from God. And so today, as we go dive into this discipline, I wanted to talk about a few moments in my life where I found praising God and giving him reverence and adoration. Even though I'm designed to worship, I found that there are moments where I struggle and it's difficult. Uh, so I wanted to dive in to those moments and see how we can overcome them and, and continue our discipline of praising God and worshiping him. And I thought, who better to look at than David, King David? Uh, he, he seems to be, it, from my, in my opinion, one of the best, maybe the best in all of history at praising God and worshiping him. There's a huge book in the middle of the Bible called Psalms, and most of it's written by him praising God. And we're going to look at a few of those, go over what he was going through at that time, and talk about how we can learn to be like David and have a discipline of worship. So, our first psalm uh, we're going to go through is in, in Psalm 57, and if you have the little bulletin thing, you can look and see where we're at, or you can read along with me on the screen. So Psalm 57, 4 through 9, says this, I am in the midst of lions. 
I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongue are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. The dawn. <laughs> Got it. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. So, what's going on in David's life at this moment as he's writing these words is he was just anointed to be the next king, right? And Saul, the current king, doesn't like that idea. He sees him as a threat to his own kingdom. So he doesn't, he doesn't want David to become king because that means he has to not be king anymore. So he chases after David, and they have this very awkward tension uh, between them and where sometimes Saul's like, yes, David, you're a good guy, and then other times I, I'm going to kill you. Um, so... What ends up happening is David ends up having to live on the run. And I think that this is an important thing because we tend to gloss over some things in the Bible, right? We tend to not get inside and think what the person was thinking. But David, he was anointed by God to become king. And because of that, because of what God said, what God, God determined for his life, he now has to live on the run. And he's, he's staying in a cave, hiding out living on whatever he can find, and, and constantly fearing for his life. And now he's in a cave, and he writes these words. And I, I have to imagine that this had to be difficult. And I know that in my life, at certain times, when, when the world around me seems kind of confusing and difficult, I have a hard time praising God. But yet we see David still saying glory to God. He's still praising his name. He's still praising God. And I think that this is especially difficult because it's not even David's fault. David didn't have anything to do with this. He didn't say, God, make me king. God sent Samuel and said, you're going to become king. And because of that, David now has to live on the run. And I think how much more difficult it is to praise the God who has caused you now to go live in a cave because you're fearing for your life. But yet David continues to praise him. So when I struggled with this, uh, I was in high school, right? I had... Uh, I had an experience in high school when I was younger. Uh, when I first got into high school, I noticed that everyone started to grow, except me. I, I was the one kid that didn't grow, and everyone's growing up, and, and you know how in high school all your problems are the biggest problems that have ever been, right? Uh, you're going through the, the toughest struggles in your life. I, I work with high schoolers, and I hear them, and I have less sympathy than I, I used to. Um, but I've since learned that all the problems and struggles I had in high school aren't, weren't actually that bad. But it was a real big struggle for me uh, watching everyone grow up and especially watching uh, the girls grow up and then I started to notice the girls. But the problem was none of them noticed me, probably because they couldn't even see me because I was so short. And, the pro and, and the, another issue that happened was they would see me when they did see me. They'd go up and be like, aww. You're so cute. There is nothing for a kid going through puberty worse to hear than that. Um, <laughs> and then I even got one time, I was in the class, and, and I was in the class with these kids, and they asked me, are you one of the teacher's kids? I was like, 
no, I'm older than you. We're in the same class. We, we were lab partners. I don't understand. But it was a struggle, and I prayed over and over. If there's a transcript of my prayers throughout high school, the first three years were just, make me taller. Make me taller. God, why aren't you making me tall? I just need to be tall. And uh, I, I, I struggled with that, and it was tough. And it wasn't my fault. There was nothing I could do about it. But I struggled, and I struggled to see why God would be good. Why, 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 is, why is God a good God, and yet I have to struggle? Well, how is that fair? What did I do wrong? There's nothing here. It's not my fault. And so I had to make my peace with this. One, one of the two things was, was wrong. Either, either I was wrong about my situation and that there was still good happening, or God was wrong and he's not actually as good or in complete control. Something had to give. Something was wrong in that scenario. So I decided that I would put my trust in God. I would say this, that I'm going to believe that God is good and I'm going to believe that he's in complete control and that even though I don't see it right now, something good's happening. And I had to, I had to put my faith in the fact that if something is wrong, if someone's wrong between me and God, it's going to be me. And so I, I had to trust in God's will. And I think that this is something that David had in spades. He knew that God had a good plan and he's not sitting there questioning what God's doing. He's sitting there praising God because he knows God's got a plan. And that's what we have to do when we find ourselves in the midst of a struggle outside of our control, outside of something we've done, we have to learn to trust in God's will. He's got a good plan and he's doing something good out of it. And I have since seen in time that that, that was a good thing. If I looked like this in high school, who knows what would have happened. Um, <laughs> never mind. All right, everyone's awake, good. Let's move on before I say anything else. So we move on to another time in David's life. Um, and uh, this is after he has already become king. And most of you guys know the story of Bathsheba. And uh, he's got this, this woman, right? He, he likes her. He sees her bathing on the roof. And he decides to do some adult stuff. This isn't youth group. He decides to have sex with her. Um, and uh, she gets pregnant. And then, but the problem is she's married, right? So he tries to get the her husband to come back home and sleep with her, but he's an honorable dude and says, no, I'm supposed to be at war right now. Um, my friends are all at war. I need to go back to the war. I can't be at home with my wife. Uh, so David decides, all right, we're just going to send you out to the war, put you on the front lines, draw, the, draw the, our own forces back, and let you fight them all by yourself, which, of course, he dies. Uh, so David, in this story, he, he kind of commits murder and commits adultery all in, all in the same moment. So it's not, a, it's not a bright spot in David's life. And then after that, uh, God wants to confront David because he seems to be not recognizing what he's done or not fully appreciating the weight of his sin. So David sends a man named Nathan to come and confront David and he tells him this story about a rich man that steals a, a, a poor man's sheep and David's like, what? We have to go find this man and put him to death. And Nathan goes, dude, that's you. That's a Corbin version. I don't think he actually said dude, but he, he's telling him, David, you're the man I'm talking about. And so David actually condemns himself and recognizes his own sin and, and feels the weight of what he's done. And then he writes these words in Psalm 51. Created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. O God, you are, you who are God my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Here's a moment where David's bad circumstances that he's going through is his own doing. He recognizes this is his fault, that he's the one that's done wrong. Before, he went through a struggle and it wasn't his fault, but now this is his fault. And this is a particularly difficult time or a difficult thing that I went through when I started to feel the guilt of my own sin. And the struggle that I had, this is beyond college, right, as I was ending college, the struggle that I had is I felt like guilt was something that I should feel. That if I'm a Christian and I believe sin is a bad thing and I believe I'm a sinner, that I should feel guilt for my sin. And so I kept the weight on me and I kept, kept putting that weight on, on me and I wouldn't let it go because that's, that's a sign of a mature believer in my mind. And then uh, at, at some point, the weight had been <laughs> taken so much, I decided I need to just get away, so I left for a while. And God had taken me aside and, and shown me some new things, and he taught me. One of the very first things he said was, guilt isn't from God. Guilt's not coming from God. God, God wants to help us and convict us, right? Like that's what Nathan did for David. He showed him what he's done wrong so that he knows he's done something wrong and can go back to God. So if we're living in, in ignorance of our own sin, he'll, he'll convict us of that. But he's not gonna put this weight on us over and over and over again, and here's why. Because what guilt does and, and what it did for me is that it didn't, keep me wanting to go back to God, it kept me saying, I'm not worthy of even talking to you. I, I don't deserve to talk to you, God. I'm a sinner. <laughs> How am I supposed to serve people with that attitude? I, I, I can't stand on some stage and tell people about your love. I'm not worthy of it. And you see the problem with that. It doesn't help you get closer to God. It doesn't help you do anything for him. It doesn't help you serve him. It doesn't do anything because that's what guilt does. It's this weight that puts it on you that just stops you and prevents you from actually praising him. And this is the, the thing that I learned in that time is that I was being arrogant. I was arrogantly saying to Jesus on the cross, your sacrifice isn't good enough for me. I was telling him that I my sin is so great, I have to bear it. I have to hang on to it because your sacrifice wasn't enough. I'm still a sinner and I, I will always be a sinner because you haven't done enough to, to cleanse me. Maybe give it another shot, Jesus. Let's see if we can get a little more off me. How arrogant that is. And I realized that like David, if I want to praise God in this time, if I want to be used by him, if I want to be able to sing his worship and, and tell him how great and awesome he is, I have to believe in his grace. And if there's anything that I can tell you that before you walk out these doors, if there's anything that you can learn from today, it's this. You will never, ever, ever, ever be able to out-sin the grace of God. Ever. 
None of us are, are so wicked. None of us have the power to become so wicked that we can out the grace of God. Jesus' sacrifice is good enough for you and is good enough for me. And because of that, that's what makes me sing and that's what makes me praise. You don't see David going to God saying, I'm not worthy. No, you, you see David saying, God, cleanse me, make me whole. Only you, God, only you can can clear my conscience. Only you can wash away my sin. Only you can do those things. And look at his response in that. So that I can go and teach people that are struggling like me. People that are weighed down with guilt and sin. I want to go and teach them. I want to preach to the transgressors. That's what he says. And I love that. And as soon as you recognize the grace of God and, and recognize that he's removed all your sin and it's not something that you don't have to hang on to guilt, you're not atoning for your own sin. No, that's Jesus' job. As soon as you recognize that, you want to help like David did. You want to go and preach like David did. And you want to praise and worship God like David did. So that was the second moment. And then we go on to the third one. And this is the one that I find uh, the most difficult, uh, at least lately. David uh, becomes, or before David becomes king, he, he finally has his victory over Saul and all of his enemies, and he's been struggling, right? He was, in, he was on the run for a long time, so we're backing up in his life. And uh, finally, he gets this victory, and finally things are going well, and he can become king just as God called him to do. And then he writes these words in Psalm 18. As for God, his way is perfect, the Lord's word is flawless. His shields, all, he shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. So in this moment, David, things are good. And this is the time in my life where I struggle the most to praise God. I, I, I'm currently going through it, and I wanted to just encourage you guys, because I, I moved here five months ago, and I've been the youth pastor here, and I'm, I can honestly tell you that in the last five months, I've been more encouraged, more uplifted, more edified than the last five years of my life. And it's because of you, and I want to thank you for that. Um, but because of that, my life's good, and I feel good, and I'm happy. And so be I, I lose some intimacy with God, and that's, that's what worship is supposed to bring. And so I'm praising God and finding my mind distracted, my, my heart's distracted, and I don't understand what's happening. Well, I, I have a... For one thing, I, I lose that vulnerability of a need. When I'm going through a struggle, whether it's my fault or someone else's fault or, you know, whatever's going on, I have a, a need and I come and I cry out to God and say, God, help me. I, I'm struggling and I need your help. So I have a need and I come with vulnerability and say, God, this is, this is the situation and, and I'm going to bear it all to you. But when things are good, I don't come to God with that same attitude. I don't come with a contrite heart like David. I... I I just pray, you know, good things are going, thanks God, all right, let's go to sleep or whatever, or let's eat this meal, like this, this is, everything's good, I don't need you right now, uh, and so because of that, I, I, I lose my intimacy with God, and I lose my vulnerability with God, 
And then on top of that, all these good things that are going on in my life, I start, and this is the worst part. You can judge me for this. Actually, don't judge because that's wrong. But I recognize that I start to feel like I deserved it, that I've earned it. The good things that are going on in my life, it's because I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, you laugh at that part. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I start to think those things, and I, I forget to praise the God that gave them to me. I forget that I, I'm, you know, just a humble human being and, that, and going before God and recognizing who he is and who I am. And that's what we see David, once again, David, the, the, the best, most disciplined worshiper ever. He doesn't do that. He also doesn't go before God and say, God, I'm useless. I'm nothing. You're, everything that's happening is because of you. No, he, he's got some confidence, right? I can bend a bow of bronze. That sounds pretty. He's God. I'm buff. Yeah. And I'm doing great. I am, I am in a place of greatness. He has some confidence, but his confidence is founded in God. He recognizes where all the good things come from. He recognizes that the reason he has strength, the reason why he's great is because of what God's done in him and what God's done for him. And so this is what I've been learning. This is what I've been struggling through and working through to praise God in the good times where I, I need to recognize that, A, I still need him every day. That need has never gone away and I need to be vulnerable with him and understand my place, but also that every good thing that's going on is him and have confidence in that. So that, that's what helps us get through these moments. If, if you're going through a struggle right now, it's not your fault. You have to trust in God's will. If you're going through a struggle and it is your fault and you're feeling guilt, you have to believe in God's grace. And if you're going through something good, you have to have confidence in God's work in you. Confidence in God's work in you. Not yourself, but in God's work in and through you. Uh, and, and the last thing I'll say is that during this discipline that we're going, all these disciplines that we're going through, you will get out of them what you put into them. If you're, if you're just coming here on Sunday morning and hearing them and hearing these messages and thinking that that's going to change your life, it won't. I'm not that good of a preacher and neither's dad, neither's Aaron. No, like none of us can actually change your life simply by saying something. What changes you and what will help you grow spiritually is you taking action and putting these disciplines to work. And it's hard. It's not an easy thing. It's not something that you're just going to find easy like that. Some of them you might find easy, but most of them you're going you're to struggle with. Especially next week when we talk about fasting. That's fun. <laughs> but I, I encourage you to take the opportunity. If you want to get something out of these, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to pour yourself out to them. You have to dedicate yourself to this. Uh, so we're going to head towards communion right now. Uh, and I wanted to go through a few of our questions that we got for this week. I, I was struggling to come up with questions. It's one of, one of my weaknesses uh, as a speaker is I, I, I'm not very good at drawing questions out because I like to answer them. So I, I, uh, I, I asked some people for help. So if you don't like these, you can talk to Justin Berger or Terry or Alex. Um, it's their fault. <laughs> so our first question is, what is your most meaningful worship experience? And that, like I said, it can be songs. That, that's something we do, and we do a lot of. And so you may have had some great worship experience, but it may have also been something else. You were just, you were just caught up in adoration for God at some point in your life. And I want you to think about those things. What, what was the most meaningful worship experience you've had in your life? And be prepared to share that in your home group this week. Our next question 
In what areas are you good at praising God and where do you struggle? So in these circumstances that we've gone through, whether it's the good times or the bad or the bad that you've caused, the bad that wasn't your fault, whatever it is, where do you struggle with the most and where do you excel? Where do you find, you know what, this is the time. Maybe you're unlike me and you're during the good times, you're like, I am praising God, but I struggle when bad things are going on around me and I don't understand what God's doing. Think about those things this week. And also, what does your ideal worship life look like? What is one step you can take toward making that a reality? Think about how you want to be more like David as a disciplined worshiper of God and, and, and create a concrete step toward that. So if you're looking at one of your struggles, whether you're not trusting in God's will or believing in his grace or you're not having confidence in his work in you, think about one of those and how you can take a step towards doing those things. And then finally, this one, this one's not a question, so it still says questions for the week, but it's not. Write a psalm of your own, praising God in your current circumstances. So as you go into your home group, or if you're not in a home group, first of all, get in a home group. And second of all, write a, write a psalm this week. Whether or, not, whether or not you're in a home group, write a psalm praising God like David did. Uh, whatever circumstance you're going through, maybe you, you like him in the beginning where he's struggling and he doesn't quite understand what's going on, but he still praises God. Maybe you're going through something personally, like I, I've messed up. Praise God still. Write a psalm out praising God. Or maybe things are great right now and you just want to give him credit. Let's, let's take the practice. Let's do some homework and actually write out our praises to God this week. All right. So with that, we'll move towards communion. Jesus uh, gave us this sacrifice. And as I've said, it's, it is enough for all of us. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It's what you've seen or what you've said. It doesn't matter. His grace is good enough for you. Take, believe that before you take this today. I want you all to, to know that and trust that in your heart. So on his last night with his disciples, he broke the bread and said, take this, this is my body which will be broken for you. Take and eat, everyone. And then he passed the cup amongst his disciples and said, this is my blood which I will shed for you. Take and drink, everyone. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the opportunity to praise and worship you. And God, I pray, Lord, that I never get in, in the way of that. That I never think so much of myself that I forget who you are or how, how great you are. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room that as we, as the church, are, are going through this time of transition, that we can be vigilant about praying. We can be vigilant about reading our Bibles. That we can be vigilant about worshiping and praising you no matter what we're facing. I pray, Lord, that we can get the most out of this discipline workout plan by giving everything we have to it. And uh, I just thank you once again. Praise you, God, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.